it was always part of the plan to put a brewery in, but for many years it, it was just a plan. It's 100% acquisition of Green Beacon. No, we had a chat with everybody. Anyone would have seen this coming a mile away. It's the passion and the, the dedication to beer and brewing. Oh, yeah. That's super simple and direct question. It's always fun to get to speak about beer. Hi, I'm Brews News Editor Matt Kirkegaard, and thanks to our malt mates at Cry Malt, that's just what we're here to do, talk about beer. And this week, not just any beer, the biggest beer in the land, Great Northern, as I catch up with Hugh Jelly, Marketing Manager at the Great Northern Brewing Company. We do have a little bit of fun with the beer from up here from time to time, but quite apart from the fact that in under 10 years, Great Northern has gone from launch to becoming the highest selling beer in the country. It has also, in many ways, changed the face of beer marketing and has come to reflect some major social shifts that have taken place in Australia as well. If you don't believe me, check out the Pure Blonde commercial from around 15 years ago and compare it with the Great Northern Father's Day commercial from 2019 we reference in this conversation. There are links to both in the show notes and the contrast couldn't be clearer. I'm always fascinated by the marketing insights behind the biggest beer brands, and I can't help but think that a circle closed in the beer world when Stone and Wood, that founded itself on being a craft brewery, set out to tackle the clear-bottled contemporary lager market back in August. So it seemed like a good opportunity to find out what makes Great Northern tick, and also the contemporary beer market, and why it resonates so well with a modern beer drinker. We also touch on another hot topic alcohol-free beer, with Great Northern's entry into that market as well. As always, it's a great chat, and one that could easily have taken place over a beer, and I hope you enjoy it. Hugh Jelly, welcome to Beer as a Conversation. Thanks, Matt. Great to be here. Uh, Can I just say, I thought I had one of the best jobs in the world, but uh, I've read up about you and what you do, talking and uh, recording these podcasts about beer all day, and I think you've got the most uh, incredible job in the world. So well done for getting to where you've got to. Mate, thank you. But as I like to say, anything that you have to do to pay the bills is a job, no matter what it is. You know, I've had I've had much, much worse jobs, but it, it's still a job at the end of the day, as is selling beer, you know, when you've got to go to all of those, you know, uh, no doubt you've got to go to a lot of camping and outdoor events and things like that that people go to for fun, but for you it's work. Yeah, but you'll never hear me complaining about it. We'll, we'll talk about it. <laughs> we will. But you, um, look, we've not had you on the podcast before, but uh, you know, you're currently the marketing manager for the Great Northern uh, Brewing Company, and we'll talk a little bit about that. But you know, you, you've come up through some of Australia's most iconic brands. You know, you've handled Resh's, you've handled VB, you've handled uh, Crown Lager, um, which are hugely storied brands, and now you're. I guess it's the plumest uh, brand job in, in Australia at the moment, certainly the biggest brand marketing job in Australia. Yeah. I mean, look, they've, they've all been uh, unique and distinct passion projects for me, all those brands that you've just uh, you've just rolled off there, each of them presenting very, very different challenges and very, very different uh, geographical parts of Australia. Uh, but each one has been a brand that I can you know, surrender myself to and lean right into what the consumers love about the beer because ultimately... I'm one of those consumers. I was one of those people that, uh, before I got involved in marketing, uh, used to love those brands and enjoy catching up at the pub and drinking them. So, yeah, it's 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 a job, it's work, but it's also a, a distinct passion project for me and very very exciting. And for Great Northern, look, I've been looking after the brand for you know coming up a, on a year now, 
but it's been a, a, a unique challenge in that I'm located down in Melbourne. You know, the, a lot, large part of the brand is based up in Queensland, Northern Australia, and I've been looking after it from my living room, which um, you know, <laughs> is a horrible thought when I, when I took the job. I was so excited about it because I'm a big outdoors person, um, but yet to make a camping trip with a brand. So uh, fingers crossed that 2022 uh, presents um, those opportunities for me. We, we might just park that for a second because you know I, I, I hear what you say about getting to work for some brands that you grew up with and, and you love. But what is the what what is your career path that's uh, brought you into beer? Did you go straight into beer, or did you have you know have the marketing roles outside of it? No, so oh, look, I'm loath to loath to admit this, but I started in finance. I was a I was a, <laughs> I was a commercial person, but I was misplaced in finance. I had a very very creative edge to me. It was just that when I went into university. You know, as a as a twenty year old, I had no idea what I wanted to to do or be when I grew up, um, and still asking myself that question today. But outside of finance, I kept myself um, very entertained and occupied. I, I wrote short films and uh, had a dream of winning Trotfest, uh, working with various um, people in in um, production houses, directors, and creatives and the like. And then ran my own television show on Channel Thirty One for a couple of years about another passion of mine, hockey, which I could talk talk for hours on as well so <laughs> I always had this um this creative outlet that I needed to uh you know scratch that I needed to itch I suppose but I did that outside of working hours which was very very tiring um and then all of a sudden you know kids and family um come along so uh for me to go into marketing looking after sports sponsorships at CUB then eventually into Victoria Bitter and Crown Lager as you mentioned then Great Northern um you know that that's where uh, my worlds have truly collided in the in the most spectacular way for me, uh, and work is a, a privilege and an honour and a passion for me, as opposed to something that just pays the bills straight up. I was actually going to say that you know if you've got a career in finance um, or you know business uh, side and then a creative side, beer marketing, where particularly when you've got responsibility for some of the biggest brands, because. Beer commercials are iconic in Australia, and uh, so so you've you've got that business, but then you've also got that creative outlet. Yeah, that's right, and I think that was probably a a selling point to the business when I was trying to convince uh, convince the organisation to get me across into finance into marketing. But now it's it's solely focused on marketing. I mean, marketers, we're there for the the plan, the vision, the, the you know the strategy and the long term view. Um, but hitting budgets as well. Hitting budgets as well, but <laughs> look, I leave a lot of that legwork now to the to the finance people. So that was, you know, in reality, that's uh, that's over a decade ago for me, um, being in the being in the commercial land, and so now I get to surrender myself, you know, purely to the creativity. I could easily do a whole podcast on beers like Crown Lager, but we won't, because um, uh, I, I want to talk about Great Northern particularly. So. Actually, now's a good time. While we're sort of talking about you, uh, you know, from your home in Melbourne, Great Northern is an outdoor brand, and yet you're stuck at home and have been running this brand, you know, without getting outdoors. What's that been like? I'm not going to lie; it's been horrible. It's been a- a- absolutely, um, you know, and not and not just for. Look, I'm in a very privileged position where I'm still working. I've got a lot to be thankful for. Obviously, in Victoria, it's been uh, a lot harder for. Not not just the beer industry, the publicans, the um, you know the hotels, the pubs and clubs, but just for people, um, just those that have to um, have to look after their kids, you know, do the, the jobs of schools from home. It's been a real real challenge. So look, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna complain about it all, but um, the reality is I'm a I'm a huge uh, outdoors person. So I married a botanist who's who's probably even more into it than I am. 
Um, our kids are incredible um, campers. They're two and four years old. Um, and so well before taking this role, you know, getting out into the great outdoors is a big part of my DNA and what and how I recharge my batteries and energize myself. Um, and so when this uh, when this role came up, uh, I, I couldn't think of anything better. But you know, unfortunately, the cards that have been dealt um, with this uh, with this pandemic that we've got to work our way through just haven't been able to taste the real fruits of the role uh, just yet. Uh, at the moment, all the inspiration and motivation is just coming through uh, visuals and stimulus and radio ads and TV ads. Uh, via the screen, but hopefully, hopefully next year is the, the year and we can really immerse ourselves, myself, um, in the brand, which I can't wait for. Tell us, what is the Great Northern brand? What, you know, what does it represent? Good question. And it's one of, one of the easiest questions to answer, I think, in the, in the beer category, that it is about the great outdoors. Um, it's about, and I say it's easy. I mean, we spent a lot of time discussing about it and talking about it and trying to pin down uh, exactly what that is, because the outdoors means uh, a lot of different things to a lot of different people. There are those that are happy to climb up the tallest mountain and throw themselves off it and abseil down it. Uh, and then there are those that just, you know, can't think of anything better than to relax in a, in a hammock. But I think the, the energising power of the great outdoors, be it, um, uh, you know, to do something active, energetic, out fishing, for example, or just relaxing and that feeling of cracking a beer when you're around the campfire, uh, it's a very, very broad spectrum, and I think Great Northern's the sort of brand that um, you know leans comfortably into that uh, into that spectrum, um, and is um, you know is one of the reasons why the brand is is so uh, strong and, and healthy today. It's it's funny that you see, again you know both say that it's easy, but it's not. But then also the outdoors, it's about the outdoors, but that means different things to different people because. The thing that fascinates me about the Great Northern brand is it's one of those brands that has captured lightning in a bottle in so many ways in that it's it's perfect in that on one hand, you know, uh, I, I describe it as being a little bit like a cloud. You know, when you stand back, you can see the cloud, hmm. but as soon as you get close to it and try and grab exactly a part of that cloud, you just can't because it's you know what it is, but then it means something different to everybody else. But every beer drinker can pin their own aspirations and their own hopes on what that great northern thing is however you engage with the outdoors that, that's right and, and that's there's a there's a skill in, in marketing and branding there is making sure that you wholeheartedly lean into um you know the one passion point or the one territory what's that shortcut for the brand that when people think about that brand they just they they, they know what to think or it, it it conjures up feelings or images um that are obviously very Positive. You know, another brand that has been around and probably been doing it for a lot longer, or has been doing it for a lot longer than Great Northern, is Corona. Uh, and when you mention that brand, people instantly shortcut themselves to, you know, just that, that esky being on the beach, that relax and escape. Um, the place you'd rather be. The place you'd rather be, absolutely. The feelings and freedom of, uh, of, of Corona. And I guess Great Northern, very, very similar in position, uh, you know, a lean into the great outdoors, more inland Australia, I suppose, um, but also has that Australian edge on it. And we, we can speak a little bit more nuanced about uh, Australia and Australians than what Corona can do uh, as that more sort of generic beach brand emanating out of Mexico, obviously. I guess that's the, the thing. I've had a lot of fun um, with the Great Northern brand since it was launched because, you know, the, the, this idea of the Great Northern Brewing Company when it's brewed closer to Melbourne than it is to Cairns, um, you know, at, at, at Yaddler, and it was found, and yet 
how, how important is that idea of the Great Northern um, Brewing Company to it? Because I know, you know, you, you're not just a Great Northern brand manager, you're the Great Northern Brewing Company great manager, which, uh, you know, harkens back to a time in Cairns. But it, it still has that element of, you know, up here is wherever you are at the time. Yeah, no, it's super important. So, I mean, just to pick up on our um, on our production, obviously, uh, Great Northern was solely blue, uh, brewed in Yatla up in up in Queensland um, for the first five or six years of its of, of yep. its life cycle. So, you know, that's where the the vast majority of the volume still comes from today. However, as the brand has grown, you know, for um, for functional reasons, we've absolutely needed to expand our yep. our production into the Abbotsford Brewery as well. But no, it's a really good question. So. Um, and I think that's again one of the strengths of the brand that it had such a singular focus when it was when it was developed back in 2010 was just to just to focus on the Queensland consumer and the Queensland lifestyle, and we really over the uh, the last 11 year well, the 11 years of its life cycle we haven't um, swayed away too much from that at all, um, and I think that's because that Queensland lifestyle is. Um, you know, so bloody aspirational. There's a reason why a lot of Victorians retire up to Queensland because it's uh, it's amazing up there. You know, we're not just talking the the climate here, but the amount of exploration, the amount of discovery that can go up in Queensland, and probably more broadly across Northern Territory. Now, I touched earlier that I like the um, I'm an outdoors person myself. You know, the two times in my life where I have just never felt so fulfilled and complete uh, is driving the Gib River Road from start to finish, Broome to to Darwin. Um, I'm not someone who likes to holiday in places twice, but having done that once, it's just not somewhere that you can not go back to. Like it is um, just a phenomenal part of the world. Um, and that's that's Queensland to me. And that's a, a big part of my job is to lean into that and understand that and understand the richness and the, the texture of Queensland and Queensland consumers. Um, now I've got a little bit of a shortcut because I already get campers. I'm a big camper, um, been on plenty of road trips and that's not stopping with the, with the young kids either. But getting underneath the, the surface of Queensland is, is really, really important for me. And that's been the biggest challenge of working from home during this, this period. But, um, uh, you know, it's a blip on the, on the radar for me as a, as a marketing manager. I'm engaging with the Queensland sales team, with our Queensland consumers very, very regularly and translating what the brand means and why it's so popular in Queensland to the rest of Australia. It's not too difficult because it's not too dissimilar what the rest of Australians are seeking for as well, which is, you know, that, that, that feeling of escape uh, and the energy that the great outdoors gives you, coupled with the, the relaxation, the connection you get through drinking a beer. It's, it's pretty universal and pretty, pretty human and very Australian as well, I'd say. And, and I guess like that, that's, that's what it fascinates me because on one hand, you, you, you do have this emotional touch point of this Queensland lifestyle and, you know, this history that, is vaguely referenced through the story, but at the same time, it never really is a provenance claim as such as, you know, made with the, you know, rainforest waters of far north Queensland or anything like that. It's a, it's an aspirational um, provenance as opposed to, uh, you know, that this beer comes out of a brewery in, in, in Cairns, isn't it? Yeah, that's a fair comment. It's more about the the lifestyle uh, of Queensland and the um, and the nature of Queensland. Now, we're not trying to bottle that in the, the product per se. Um, but certainly, the, you know, the original production coming all out of Queensland from the Queensland Brewery developed in consultation with Queensland consumers. And we engaged 
the Queensland Hotels Association about what they wanted back in 2010. What, what could we do for them? Um, and, you know, the, 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 the patchwork and the quilt all started to come, come together and it wasn't, it wasn't a, uh, a product that was designed for the remainder of Australia. It wasn't trying to solve all of our problems, but hopefully it could, you know, provide a great service for, for Queenslanders. Uh, particularly those Queenslanders who love to get into the great outdoors. And I think that's the, the beauty and the simplicity of it. From there, it's just been able to able to expand. I appreciate that you, you don't want to talk about a competitor's product, um, but I, I just sort of draw the parallel between, say, Furphy, which was, you know, designed to solve a local problem in, you know, in, in Victoria when little creatures came over, um, but then grew out of, of that space. Um, you know, how have you gone taking that feeling to... You know, nationally, uh, so there's a few questions uh, all bundled up in here. Um, but I believe that you're 15% of the national market across all of the brands, or around about mid-teens um, of the national market. What percentage of are you in Queensland compared to, say, say the rest of the country? It's still very strong in Queensland. So um, you know, Queensland would be around 40% of the of the brands' sales still in that in that market. Mm-hmm. Now the rest of Australia is pretty big, obviously. So. Um, you know, it, it's still our heartland, both in volume, um, I would say in geography as well. It's our Queensland sales team that we, we work closest to and the Queensland um, publicans, etc. Um, but the rest of Australia, it's, it's something that consumers and, and, uh, and venues have shown that they want to buy into as well because um, I believe this proposition of the great outdoors is so crisp and so clear uh, in, in the way we market it, the way we sell it to consumers. Um, the consumers... Kind of understand what they're what they're buying into at the uh, on the shop floor, which is really really important. Marketing is there's a set of principles you can follow and still get it wrong, or you know you can sort of follow them and just explode because you you talked about Corona um, at, at the time that Great Northern was launched. Corona was a, a big seller. Um, Lion had had a crack with Summer Bright Lager. You came out with Great Northern, and then they came out with uh, Iron Jack, which I reckon most people in a blind tasting couldn't pick a difference between those uh, three or four beers um, terribly, but the branding for Great Northern has has set it apart. And you can see that there have been some insights that have been applied to a beer like Iron Jack, but it just hasn't had that same resonance. Um, so, you know, how, how much of it is, you, you know, I, I guess success has many parents, but how much of it is, you know, Every now and then, you just jag one. No, that's that's right. I mean, uh, there's the age-old adage that marketing is um, there's probably a, a little bit science and a little bit art. Um, and I think the skill is just recognizing recognizing when the when the when the science is um, is is working. So you know, probably the, the example I've got is uh, I think it was around two, 2015 that you know part of the art was a television ad that had the six pack of Great Northern floating down the river from, you know, a, a bunch of mates up on the top of the top of the cliff down to the, the mates out in the boat. And there was a, a song in there, um, you know, sung by Israel Cannon, an Australian singer-songwriter called Far and Wide. Now, I, I don't think when that ad was released that they would have thought that that um, the song in that um, in that TVC was still going to be used six years later, and probably will be used for at least another six years. But I remember first seeing that ad. I wasn't in this role. I might uh, I would have been in a, in a different role in the organisation. But I remember listening to that song and thinking it was amazing. Um, and then there therein lies the art. Um, and so you know we test and, and research 
assets like that. Um, and when they strike, they strike. And you, you use them, use them or lose them because um, other brands are going to, to come and try and chip away at your territory. But as long as we can identify those little things in the marketing mix that work and then apply the science, keep on, keep on using them because they work. Everyone road tests these things. Everyone focus groups these things. And so you, you still see a lot of things that, you know, fall off a cliff very, very quickly. So, so there, there is something special about this one that, 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 that does make it stand out. That's right. And I, uh, I was just about to say, I think you just keep coming back to the, the, the simple brand positioning of, of Great Northern about being the beer for the great outdoors with the lean into the tropical north uh, as well, the Queensland connections, as we've, we've spoken about. As long as you don't deviate too far away from that, it's, it's pretty hard to break. I mean, um, yes, there's, there's a, a litany of errors that marketers have made across uh, all sorts of, you know, beer brands and even going beyond beer. Um, you know, it's easy to make mistakes, but um, I think when the foundation of a brand is as strong as, as what Great Northern is, it's, uh, it's pretty hard to break. And we're not going to be leaning away from it anytime soon. Without going too deeply into VB, for example, but, you know, VB was a, was a massive one and, you know, marketing teams just had to play with it, you know, <laughs> and, and I guess, you know, beers products go through a life cycle and there was obviously a lot of insight about the brand and you know keeping the brand very simple but then you know you can you, you can still make mistakes has great northern reached the stage where it's scary um you, you know um it it, it it it's easy to start something and see if it but once something is successful you don't want to be the guy that uh or, or the person that um drops the ball no thanks for raising that Matt. It, it, it wasn't scary until you, you hadn't you thought just said about it. that <laughs> no of course it is i mean you understand what a uh what a passionate category beer can be for so many consumers um and that's what i keep reminding myself that you know a bad day working in beer marketing is still a, a hell of a lot better than a, a good day working in health insurance and sorry if anyone's in, involved in health insurance that, that might listen i'm sure there's some exciting elements of it but, you know, it's beer. It's beer and, and look at your job and what you're doing, getting to talk about beer to, to your passionate fan base. I mean, that's, um, uh, you know, we're very privileged to be um, in this position. I, I would say just to, just to hop back to the previous role, looking after VB, it was a lot more scary on VB. Um, on VB, you know, um, whatever small nuanced activity you did around that, that brand, um, you know, the passion for it is galvanized both for and against. I mean, that's, that's one of those brands, there's, there's many of them in the beer category, which um, has real, whether they are geographical, you know, divides or, you know, the consumers are really galvanized around those, those brands and specifically what those brands mean. So, you know, a misstep in those, those brands is really, really scary territory. Um, Great Northern is probably a little bit more relaxed in its positioning. And I don't think we've got those hardened rusted on um fans yet and i think that's a pretty good thing we're we're very open to the fact that you know you you, you might um consume a number of different alcoholic brands beverages products things in your life but when you go out into the great outdoors and want to relax around a campfire um you know hopefully that's when the great northern brand um, bubbles to the surface and to just touch on vb as well i think that's probably a good cautionary tale of I, mean, I talk about my my history in in the finance um, uh, you know side of the business at CUB and and maybe there's a, a cautionary tale about the commercial arm of the organisation just you know having having the balance of power with a reduction in in ABV on that brand and you know it was a pretty triumphant celebratory moment back in uh, 2012 I think it was when the you know the marketers 
uh, we're able to wrest back control of that brand, get it back to that original recipe, get it back to the the 4.9% ABV, uh, and still going strong today. So you know that's a co- constant wrestle in large organisations and small organisations. But you know I like to think that hopefully marketers marketers win out at the end of the day. See, there was a time that I would have gotten upset thinking, shouldn't it be the brewers? But we're not talking about that sort of beer. Uh, it, it, you know, it, it, it's a beer that, you know, isn't about the liquid. Um, so, you know, the, the, the liquid just has to be, you know, I don't want to talk it down because it's an incredibly well-made product, but you're not selling it on the flavour, um, on, on any sort of, you know, elements of flavour. It, it's crisp. Um, and it, and it's and it's refreshing, and it's it, it's really the brand that you're going for, which is much more the uh, dom, you know, the domain of the marketer. Yeah, to an extent, but I would say at the start of the process, the brewers are absolutely absolutely central to it. I mean, they've yeah. um, you know this wasn't a uh, wasn't a brand that was developed just with a a sales objective or a commercial objective in mind. There's also an evolving um, uh, you know consumer base out there that's changing. Um, you know, the, the beers that are drunk today aren't the beers that I was drinking when I was um, 25 years old in, in university, et cetera. And I think, um, you know, the brewers have a real skill in leaning into that, identifying that, um, and ultimately, literally, bottling it as well. Um, and so they have to be, you know, very open to changing trends and tastes. Um, and there's a hell of a lot of, you know, product development that goes into a, into something like um, Great Northern and still goes on as we launch uh, Great Northern Zero um, just on a year ago in Queensland with zero alcohol as well. Um, but for the large part, you know, I think if uh, VB is to teach us anything, we, um, tinkering with the, the brews and changing existing um, blends is probably not the, not the right way to, to go in the modern, modern world. So uh, the brewers have done their job, uh, handed over to the, to the marketers um, and the salespeople to really keep this brand alive and keep it igniting um, passions within Australian consumers. And again, I wasn't talking the uh, the, the the liquid down at all, you know, the, the, the beer down at all. But it's uh, yeah, like it, it was designed to target a segment of the market. Um, and you know, the, the rest comes down to marketing, I guess. If the brewers have done their job. Now, one of the things that I'm an unashamed fan of um, when it comes to Great Northern is the way that the brand has really broadened the potential footprint for beer, you know, and, and you know, I, I used to be very critical um, of brands like Forex that were, you know, because of their history and because of where beer was 10, 15 years ago, four blokes on a camping trip around a fire, you know, they were buffy without, you know, without being, you know, they weren't threateningly good looking, but they weren't, you know, overly slovenly or anything like that. But it was a out and out blokey product, um, you know, supported the football, all of those sorts of things. Great Northern is a brand that it hasn't targeted women in, you know, in, in the way that sometimes marketers are criticised of. But it's also very, very much softened um, the idea of what beer is and beer is for. What, what's the insight around that or, or what, what is the thinking around that? Do, do, you, do you agree with that? Uh, absolutely. Uh, I, um, I mean, look, I've been a, a beer consumer for you know, a large part of my life. Um, and you look back at some of those those television commercials, um, some CUB brands, other non-CUB brands, but the beer category 
uh, really didn't do itself any favours uh, with the benefit of 2020 hindsight. I mean, I'll, I look back at some of those those TV ads and I, I cringe at the, you know, the overt masculinity uh, and the real divide, the gender divide that it, it, it created with with um, with women then. You know, society has changed. Um, a lot of those ads definitely wouldn't be not only acceptable, but they wouldn't be what you would want your repre- to represent your brand with. For Great Northern, yes, I mean, make no, no bones about it. Um, women, well, as you say, we're not specifically targeting women, but women are going to form a big part of the marketing mix um, because they're they're hugely important as consumers. They're um, you know a great opportunity for the beer category, if not to get some more liquid on lips, um, but also just to just to make beer more permissible around the dinner table. You know, I, I don't think it would be too much of a surprise that uh, wine feels like that unisex. Uh, alcoholic beverage to to share between you know male and female occasions, and why couldn't that be beer? And I think um, I think the beer category has woken up to that, has um, taken some giant steps in the last uh, in the last ten years or so, and Great Northern's probably testament to that as well. So um, yeah, you'll see a lot of a lot of women in our advertising. In fact, we work um, with an inspirational woman, Crystal Wright, who's a photographer. Uh, based out of um, either northern New South Wales or, or South Queensland. But, um, you know, every time I speak to her, it's actually uh, e- embarrassing. I'm in my living room and she's usually sit- standing on top of a, a Land Rover holding her phone up trying to get reception from some <laughs> incredible, idyllic, you know, remote place that she is taking spectacular photography. Um, and so she's, a, she, again, a large part of our, our marketing mix and someone that we like to lean into, um, not just for her uh, you know any any steer into uh, her appealing to women, but just for her expertise on the great outdoors, um, you know she's a she's absolutely magic for us, uh, and and we'd love to be able to to bottle her in our future campaigns as well. But um, yeah, I think you've touched on it. I think the whole category has a job to do here, uh, and I think we're all swimming in the right direction at the moment. Um, but certainly, Great Northern, if we can play a, a leadership role uh, in appealing to women and making it the beer category a uh, a great choice in mixed gender occasions, then we're all up for that. But it's also, you know, quite apart from being inclusive in in, in that sense, there's a softening of the masculinity that, that I've seen around it. You know, you, you do have, you know, um, a couple of blokes in a fishing boat or, you know, I think it's uh, morphed into two blokes and a lady in a fishing boat um, sort of fishing. But then also last year you did the, a Father's Day advertisement where it was a principal ballet uh, principal dance for the Australian ballet and his dad. That's right. There was, you know, it, it, their relationship was, you know, sort of very affectionate. You know, it, it wasn't the classic Australian bloke and his dad, you know, sort of punching each other on the shoulder. There was a lot of genuine physical affection that, that, that was there that was very, very different, um, not just in beer commercials, but in the representation of father-son relationships, you know, generally. Yeah, no, I think you're absolutely right. And I think that, again, is probably a, a reflection of uh, culture. It's a reflection of men and men's relationships. And um, ultimately, it's very, very helpful. The more that men can communicate and be open about their feelings, not just in the beer category, but we're seeing it across uh, a, a wide myriad of cal- categories, that just speaking, being open, being honest, is is more and more important and i think um i think that father's day piece you're referring to in 2019 um, i was 19 was it okay yeah 2019 i think that was um 
you know, an important step in the right direction again for the for the beer category. Um, you know, is is that a particular focus that we're going to um, you know channel and and concentrate all of our efforts um, on? Not necessarily. I think we need to keep broad and keep open, keep keep conversation moving. Um, this year for Father's Day, we did talk about uh, Carmen. Um, uh, you know, a, a very inspiring woman from, you know, mother from um, uh, Newcastle and the relationship that she has with her ageing father, Bob, uh, and how getting into the great outdoors is getting harder and harder for them as he as he gets older. Uh, and that's just another conversation that we like to get involved with as long as, you know, that energising power, that healing power, the benefits of getting into the great outdoors, if we can open more people's eyes to that, then that's a really good thing. It's one of those fascinating things because beer marketers had resisted softening beer for so long, and I, I guess that was the, the market that they were aiming for. But we, they all, were almost late to the party. But when you see how thoroughly Great Northern has embraced that change, is it because the Great Northern drinker, by and large, is a younger drink, you know, younger demographic overall, even though it does bleed into the traditional, I guess, VB or Forex Gold drinker as well? That you have permission to lead in that way, you know, in, in some ways following, but now very much a leadership position in beer. Yeah, I'll, uh, can I tell you an interesting story about some research we did back when I was working on VB? And, um, you know, there's a lot of lot of VB consumers, um, a, a lot of older drinkers who, you know, love the brand. And we we tested a, an advertising concept with them that I won't, um, I won't go into. But, you know, they, these older consumers... They said, oh, I can see what you're doing here, um, Mr. VB. You're trying to trying to target younger consumers and go after younger consumers now. And we kind of, we uh, braced ourselves for a little bit. We thought we were going to get some, some backlash from this. But the older consumers all said, and you know what, do it. Like that would be fantastic because when I drink um, VB at the, at the sporting club, it's some of the younger guys who say, oh, I can't believe you're drinking, uh, drinking that brand. And they just want a bit of permission. They want acceptance and understanding as to why they why they love this brand, what they love about the taste of it, and they just want to drink it without um, people casting dispersions on them. And I think for men and women in the beer category, a very, very similar story that um, I think a lot of men would be incredibly open to brands leaning further into uh, what would appeal to women because it then um, makes it more permissible to them to, to, select, that, um, to select that brand. And I think that's the journey that we're going on with, um, not just with beer, but with Great Northern as well, making it acceptable for my wife, my uh, partner, my important other, uh, you know, if she's comfortable with, with me drinking a, a, a Great Northern because she can see that the message is quite open and accessible about this brand, then that's a good thing for me. It just takes a, uh, it takes a, a pain point away um, and I can lean more into the things that I, I love about spending time with my family, my friends, um, in the great outdoors. It's a really an interesting little insight that, that came out of that, that sometimes leaning into, um, you know, a pain barrier for your consumers, um, and I wouldn't say pain, but a, an annoyance for your consumers can really open up more appeal for them. Well, because I was, I was going to ask, did did any of those older VB drinkers, you know, show show some of that go woke, go broke mindset where, oh, if you're going to change the beer, then, you know, we're going to, go drink something else that, you know, don't make us your namby-pamby uh, you know, beer drinker. Yeah, that, look, there's always going to be um, an, an undercurrent there, but I would say it was the, it it was the vast minority. I, I think um, the overwhelming response we get from a lot of our research 
about culture, about values, about equity, um, you know, gender equity, about diversity, etc. Everyone is is moving in the right direction. It's important for the beer category to to go along in in that direction. Yes, there's always going to be a uh, a vocal minority that's true in political spectrum in in marketing as well um, but it's really important as marketers probably the the one thing you touch on what it is that that makes us scared as as marketers for me personally it's being on the wrong side of history and I think uh, I think if we take a really open mindset into the way we market our brands present our brands you know we've got to do that with with confidence and and do it in the right way and I'm confident we're doing that can I ask how old you are, Hugh? Because it's interesting to hear you say on the wrong side of history because, you know, 15 years ago when you were holding up, well, it was not you, but, uh, you know, writers such as yourself were holding up just how bad beer commercials were probably too early um, in, 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 the, in the movement. But, you know, so, so how old are you? Because you probably represent a different generation of market. I'm going to surprise you here. I know I look like I'm early 30s, but I'm, I'm uh, probably early 40s. Oh, okay. There you go. Well, uh, you're aging well. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, I guess, and that's the thing, because there is a point that you can go too soon with with a, um, a you know a brand shift like that. Because I do remember um, it was I think it was a car marketer. Um, I don't know if you remember the old Holden Barina that was a car that was very much targeted at women. You know, it was uh, you know in in the eighties and early nineties. I, th- I think, and you know. Um, very bright colours. It was small. It was zippy, um, and the commercials were very much. And it was one of those things that I remember marketers saying, "You're only going to get a small percentage of the female buyer anyway, but no bloke's ever going to buy it." So, is, is there a risk w- w- with a beer brand that if you feminise it, as opposed to my observation of what you've done with Great Northern, is to just make it very inclusive? Is is, is there a risk that you then either seen as patronising or alienating too many people? Yeah, absolutely. Of course, there is, and I think, um, I mean, it's important to consider the brand life cycle. Where where is this brand um, in its in its life stages, and where is it in in terms of awareness? So, for example, launching a a new product, whatever it is, a beer or or another category. Uh, if you're launching into a cat- crowded category, you've got to disrupt. You've got to stand out. You've got to do something that no one else is willing to do in order to um, in order to grab the attention that you need. To, to, to survive on the on the shelves now great northern um, is a very very different where it's it's earned over um, a, a long period of time um, by being consistent by um, being very calm and considered and being single-minded in its approach about the great outdoors um, you know it's earned a certain weight in the beer category we don't need to to go out and be disruptive in this space at all um, I mean you use the phrase feminizing beer we're not we're not feminizing beer. We're, I think you, you touched on it um, better. With we are we are we're being accepting of beer consumers within Australia, um, coming from all walks of life, and you know from within Queensland, which is where we certainly started, but now outside of Queensland as well. And what does the great outdoors mean to someone from Tasmania or South Australia or Victoria? Um, and that's a good point in itself. That the great outdoors for Victorians right now. Uh, has never been more important. I can't wait. Uh, we've had, you know, the most Melbourne being the most lockdown city in the world. I think the the discussion is around. So how does that change our consumers' perceptions to what the great outdoors means? Well, it's gonna it's gonna make it all the more important, isn't it? And I, you know, I'm I'm one that certainly can't wait um, to get out. And that's that's important. And hopefully we can, you know, be some source of um, inspiration or 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 um, or assistance for people to you know keep that spark alive and 
and get people out once uh, once we're allowed to do so safely. It's interesting you say that because you know I, I guess we've had the pandemic for you know, almost. 20 months now, there's this constant hope that it's not going to last that much mm. longer. How do you plan your, you know, your, your campaign advertising when people aren't outside? So, you know, billboard advertising isn't as important and, uh, yep. you know, some of the major campaigns you'll be looking at, you know, how, how is the team uh, going with that? Yeah, not not easily. So it is really really difficult. I mean, it's the um, uh, it's, it's the sales and the supply team that my heart really goes out to because we'll probably get um, you know, days notice when venues are allowed to open, and it takes you know weeks to brew to brew beer to the quality that we need to get it to. So sometimes there's a there's a misalignment between you know government announcements and and what opens up um, that we have to to work towards and be flexible um, flexible about uh, achieving. Um, the job is slightly easier from a, a marketing perspective. You know, I think one thing that we've learnt over the over the last twelve months is that you know when when um, pubs and venues open back up and when the great outdoors opens back up, it's not going to be on a single day. There's not going to be a triumphant, euphoric um, venturing out. It's going to be a very graded, um, steady uh, process, I'd say, across the states. It's not necessarily going to be lined up from state to state as well. So we know there's a, there's a lot of grey in there. Again, the thing that we're um, latching onto as a brand, which we have from day one, is really about the power and the and the aspiration of the great outdoors and how powerful that is for consumers um and uh you know it is it, it, it's such a healthy pursuit that we can be completely unforgiving in our uh, our focus and attention that we give it to um as states open up as consumers can start getting back out into the great outdoors then we'll be there um you know an interesting little side note is around international travel and um, you know, I would imagine that international travel is going to become very difficult for the near future. So people who haven't necessarily explored their own um, their own backyard. I didn't go to um, to Uluru until I was 30 years old, but I'd already been through Europe three times and South America and Tanzania, etc. So hopefully some people will now start to explore our own, own backyard. Well, I, I think you're going to be more relevant than ever. I think... Uh... People venturing into national parks is up 400% in, in Queensland and Carnarvon Gorge. You cannot book any of the trails at the moment. Um, and it, it's people are discovering their backyard. Does that provide a, a, an opportunity for Great Northern? Yes, but not an opportunity that we weren't already already leaning into. Um, so it, it's our position. Yeah, I mean, I've heard about waiting lists on caravans, uh, you know, phenomenal at the moment because everyone's got that, that same idea that this is the time, now is the time. Um, to, to venture around Australia. Well, you know, probably had that idea six months ago, which could have been a mistake because I've also heard about people driving, you know, around in New South Wales because they can't get in and it's, uh, you know, <laughs> turned into a real challenge for them. But, you know, hopefully there's worse places to be than um, driving some of the great stretches of, of Australia's incredible landscape and country. Growing up, uh, again, in the 80s and 90s and, you know, there were three commercial TV stations and attention was focused on them. So, you know, as a, as a beer marketer um, of the biggest brand in the country, you basically had a lot of money to spend on creative on television to really make memorable ads. And so we had some of the most memorable ads during that period. Media these days is so fragmented. Um, and, you know, it is 
the, the free-to-air TV still a thing or, you know, is TV commercials still a thing, but you target a viral YouTube audience, you know, and, uh, as well? What, what, what's, what's the thinking these days strategically for cam- that sort of campaign? Yeah, good question. I mean, I, I think the shortcut, yes, t- free-to-air TV is very, very, very important. Um, you know, there's subscription platforms as, as well to invest in. I think uh, over the journey of the last um, 10 to 15 years, digital has become important. So, you know, we, we talk about for our television commercials, just making sure that, you know, they're framed for digital and ready for digital use uh, as well, be it in social media, which didn't exist when I was, um, when I was doing, you know, university. Um, and now social media and you know incredible platform who would have who would have thought that uh, I was probably back in about 2004 I think I you know plugged my details in and started up a little Facebook account not really taking it seriously but um, you know 15 years later and it's uh, it's grown into an absolute um, a giant and a really important tool um, for uh, for brands and, and marketers um, so yes that fragmentation you know that, that's something that we keep across um, daily. Um, you know, the diversity of our, our team in uh, age and gender and ethnicity is so important so that we can all help each other keep across uh, those various platforms. And, you know, it's, a, it's as I age, I think I gave away my age. I can't believe I, I did that earlier, Matt. You've, you've, you've got that out of me. Oh, my interviewing technique, You've lulled me into a false sense of security. But it is really important for me to keep across these, uh, these platforms and what people are engaging with. I mentioned earlier, I've got a, um, I've got another passion for hockey, and you know that connection to that hockey club and seeing the, seeing the the younger players come through the come through the ranks. I've played with some of their fathers, um, and that's really important for me uh, as a marketer to just to retain that connection to younger consumers, um, so that I know what's uh, what's important. How much do you think a brand like Great Northern, you know, when, when you do get away from those three channels and the, the, the billboards and the magazine, full-page ads, you know, a, a, a lifestyle brand like Great Northern has coincided with Instagram and, you know, influencers who live their lives, you know, you've got van life and you've got um, people whose whole lives are around reflecting an outdoor life, you know, mm-hmm. on, on, on social media. Is there a correlation, do you think, between the brand promise of a brand like Great Northern and the lifestyle that people are embracing because of the technology tools that we we have. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Great Northern lends itself to, you know, the very visual media, you know, those vistas of the landscapes and the and the great um and the great north. And I think again, we just keep reinforcing, keep building, keep building this relationship, uh, very healthy relationship with the great outdoors um that exists. Uh, and for a long time, you know, there was a, a little. I guess it's been proven to be a myth now that Great Northern is not a not a not a brand that should have radio in its marketing mix because it's a very visual brand. Well, you know, we we found a creative solution for that in uh, in Insta Radio, where we took consumers' Instagram posts that featured Great Northern and the moments that they were celebrating by snapping themselves and hashtagging the brand. We took those those posts with their permission, turned that into into radio ads. And for me, that was the—I mean—that was one of the most terrific things that we've done as a brand because it wasn't—it uh, wasn't us, um, uh, you know, fictitiously writing moments about the Great North. They were real moments that happened that people uh, people felt compelled to share on social media, and we, um, you know, we took those and, and shared those in, in radio. Um, so the visual formats, 
Instagram, Facebook, etc. Very, very important because it's a great conversation about. Uh, it's an endless conversation. It's like the surfers and you know pursuing that endless wave. What's the best camping spot? What's the best fishing spot? It is an organic, moving, ever changing conversation um, that will live forever. And you know, Great Northern is part of that. Great Northern is the category leader in the contemporary category. What is the contemporary category? And you know, if, for example, is a is Corona part of the contemporary category or as an import, does it fall outside of that sort of, uh, you know, concept? Yeah, uh, it's a good question. I mean, uh, ultimately, it's how consumers define define that contemporary category. We're going to define it uh, in a certain way. Um, other businesses will define it and customers will, will define it a, a different way. Um, you know, uh, and, and contemporary is probably not a word that um, sits comfortably with, with Great Northern. In my mind, this is a, an a, opinion of one because I think the the values and the way we market the brand is actually is actually relatively classic for one of a a, a different for one of a different term. Um, you know, very very um, basic human values and needs sit behind the the brand. It's not as though the brand is yearning to lean forward and be progressive and be woke as you as you put it before. Um, so it's one of those brands, Great Northern, that I, I think crosses the divide between, you know, what, what some people in the industry might call contemporary um, and others might, might call classic. Look, it's a very, very modern recipe. It's a recipe that leans into the, um, the, the changing flavour and taste profiles of Australians today. And, and I guess that's what I was uh, sort of driving down into because it, it you did say that, you know, taste had changed and, you know, it, it's, it's a lighter, crisper Beer is, is you know which differentiates it from mainstream you know once upon a time you had mainstream and premium and contemporary seems to have come in which is almost inherently a premium mainstream beer for a new generation of beer drinker um but i wasn't sure whether there was you know some definition i think premium used to be any carton over 40 dollars was premium so coopers was premium in those days so you know is there a formula for defining what a you know a, a contemporary beer is yeah i mean again that formula is going to be up to the consumers but i'd say that you know the 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 prevailing trend consumer um trend is for less bitterness in the beer now i'm not talking about flavor there at all um uh you know on the on the um on the the ester profile of something like great northern still a lot of fruity aromatics come through that crisp clean finish but it's very different from the brands that would have been um you know large back in the the 70s 80s which were probably uh, high bitterness um, and high alcohol products as well uh, and that's the other thing about great northern you know leaning into the great outdoors um, you know the alcohol at 4.2 percent is probably a little bit less than um, you know some of the some of the um, the classic beers of the past which would mm. be slightly higher than that um, and even super crisp but mid strength um, you know is 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 uh, that, that subcategory is certainly growing as Australians continue to moder mo moderate their their drinking uh, and great northern zero is that new trend uh, that we're leading into now just trying to Get all that flavour that people and refreshment that people love and enjoy about, um, you know, cracking open a beer, but for zero alcohol, which again, leaning into the great outdoors. If you're four-wheel driving or boating, a great functional benefit for that brand as well. I was going to come to zero, but seeing you've raised it, we'll uh, we'll, we'll touch on it now. I've been hearing from senior marketers within CUB for well over ten years that, you know, we're going to see zero alcohol. We're going to see zero alcohol and. 
there, there has been a massive change in consumers drinking, you know, looking at alcohol, but then there's also been a lot of uh, brewers embrace the, the, the zero alcohol and consequently a lot of hype. How do you as a marketer go marketing, you know, is a zero alcohol beer still a beer or, you know, is that the way you market and do you get into trouble with, you know, the, the, the regulators if you hold it up as a beer or is it a separate category? You know, where, where do you see that falling? Yeah, good question. In, in my mind, absolutely uh, a beer. Um, you know, I think that's the, uh, again, that's the flavor profile and the uh, the intrinsics of the brand that we're, we're going for and we're, we're marketing it to consumers. Um, and look, being, um, you know, from one of the large brewers in the land, we're going to take a very, very conservative approach, obviously. So you won't see any great Northern Zero marketing that we wouldn't be comfortable marketing um, to a consumer seeking an alcoholic product, if that makes sense. Yep. Um, so it, it's small at the moment. It's less than a percent. I mean, we, we talked earlier about the, the prevailing consumer trends and how they're changing. And this is one that's, that's changing in a big way. It's, it's now um, you know, acceptable amongst your friendship group or at a, a social setting to, to crack open a, a zero alcohol beer. And that's got to be a good thing. Um, you know, as long as we're providing that refreshment and flavour, uh, we want to lean into that and our position around the great outdoors if people can, again, four-wheel drive, boat, uh, have a beer over, over lunch and then continue their, their adventure or their holiday, then that's um, absolutely a good thing. But, and, and, and that's what, what, what I get to. I had a fascinating conversation recently with the uh, couple behind Sober, um, the, 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 the uh, First Nations-owned uh, craft beer, uh, Zero Elk. And they talked about a contemporary adult beverage as opposed to a uh, alcoholic substitute or things like that for a whole range of reasons. And I guess that's the question for me. How big is the market for people who want beer but just don't want alcohol? Is it somebody that wants to hide the fact that they're not drinking um, alcohol or people that want the flavour of alcohol in circumstances when, when, when they can't? Yeah, I'd say all of the above, Matt. I think there's uh, there's plenty of health reasons as well why why um, you know zero alcohol beer is really really important uh, for individual consumers, uh, and I think it remains to be seen. I think I think it's going to zero alcohol beer is going to find its place. Uh, that's not necessarily defined. I think um, I think as manufacturers and marketers, we're we're finding that out now, um, and who knows where that's going to settle. It's look, it's small. The opportunity is uh, is small right now. It's um, probably less than a percent of, of the entire beer market. But I think it's growing. And I think that's really important to, to nurture that. It also, um, you know, allows us the opportunity to, to get into the conversation about um, uh, people's relationship with beer as well. You know, the obvious one is if you, if you need to drive, if you need to be active, if you need to, to get anywhere, then zero alcohol beer is, is the perfect um, product to, to insert into that conversation. We'll absolutely be doing that. Do you have to be a beer drinker to embrace zero alcohol beer? Like, is there a reason for someone that's, you know, never consumed beer before to pick it up and sort of say, this is this is what I want? Because it's always been a challenge. Beer has been a product that because of its flavor profile has been an acquired taste. And quite often it was the alcohol that gave you the incentive to acquire the taste. So what is the um, the, the compelling reason to pick up a non-alcohol uh, alcoholic beer if you don't have experience with that flavor profile already yeah i think it's it's definitely going to lean in towards um beer drinkers i mean i think um you know we're unapologetic in saying that it's full taste it's going to taste like a beer so um you know there's no reason why someone who's not drinking beer at 
uh, you know, right now would decide to enter the category with this with this product because they're still going to ultimately get the same flavour and taste profile that they would get from a beer. So, um, you know, I think that's uh, that's absolutely what we're we're trying to do here, and um, hopefully opening up more occasions for those beer consumers, such as lunchtime or you know, as I say, when they're on the, the camping trip and they're still going to drive the boat, you get that refreshing flavour of a beer, um, but don't necessarily need to give up the rest of your afternoon because uh, because of the alcohol. Does that then limit the, you know, the horizon for a product? You know, if, if younger people are drinking less um, and, and more abstaining completely, is, is there a whole market that you miss out on then because of people, you, you almost need them to be beer drinkers to switch over to the zero elk? Yeah, I don't think so. I, I don't think we can, we can expect that zero elk is going to do the heavy lifting there. I think it is the the flavour profile and the spectrum of beers that exist out in the marketplace that all need to perform their role. And there's going to be different reasons why um, different people come into the come into the beer uh, the beer category. Um, you know, but there is a role for you know the flavour profiles across all the categories of beer. There's a role for um, you know the pubs and the clubs and the the retail outlets around Australia to to do their job, um, and everyone doing it responsibly um, and appropriately, of course. Um, you know, I think the sum of those parts is a, a lot more powerful than what a, an innovation, as good as it is, that Zero Hour can, can do by itself. And, and just one last question, I'm very conscious of the time, is going back to that idea of the contemporary beer segment, you know, how did you feel when, you, when Stone and Wood, you know, very much targeted, uh, you know, the largest craft beer brand um, regardless of what they say about not being a craft uh, brand, you know, coming squarely into the contemporary beer market space, it was it was a closing of the of the circle in in, in some ways when you see craft brewers coming back to do battle with you on your uh, home turf. Yeah, and I think um, I think different businesses just need to to work out what the gaps in their their portfolio are and and fill them. If they're um, if they're seeing an opportunity in this this space, then um, good luck to them. And, um, you know, one thing that that I've, I've learned through um, you know the foray into zero alcohol beer is that a really healthy category uh, is required. People need to to understand what the benefits of different flavour profiles and different um, different types and makes of and styles of beer are in order for the entire category to to be healthy. So. Um, you know, best of luck to, to to any brewer that wants to wants to enter into the into the space. We, you know, we're very proud with the the positioning and the flavour profile of of, uh, of Great Northern, and you know, good luck to them. Terrific. Well, Hugh Jelly, uh, thank you very much for your time. Uh, and you know, as I said, it's 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 a brand that I just find fascinating to watch. So thank you for talking us through a little bit about. Uh, you know, what you do as its current caretaker. Absolutely. Uh, absolute pleasure, Matt. Keen, keen to know from you, one last question. What, yep. What's that one place in uh, in Australia that you like to escape to? Where's that, where's that beach or that campsite or that river that um, just uh, all, all the problems that you've got dissolve away? Where, where, where does magic happen for you? Oh, well, fun, funnily enough, uh, just last week I was up at Cape Trib, uh, you know, Port Douglas and, uh, and, and Cairns. So, uh it was lovely to get up there, so I, I do like to get to North Queensland. Perfect, perfect answer. That's what we're that's what we're trying to bottle in everything that, that we're doing <laughs> at Great Northern. So thank you for that. Didn't script that. <laughs> well, I, I didn't say that I was drinking Great Northern while I was up there. You might note so, <laughs> but I, 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 I do love what the brand captures about it. So right. yeah, so it's uh, yeah, Hugh. Thank you so much for your time. Absolute pleasure. Thanks, man. Appreciate everything you do. 
and that was Hugh Jelly. If you haven't already, you may be interested to go back and listen to my previous conversation with Antonia Chorchari, who also had carriage of the Great Northern brand, and a host of other storied CUB brands as well, and that was another fascinating conversation. Radio Brews News is proudly presented by Cryomalt. With over 25 years in the field, Cryomalt is dedicated to providing the finest brewing ingredients to help brewers create the foundations of a truly excellent beer. We thank Cry and Malt for making this episode of Beer is a Conversation possible. If you're a listener, don't forget you can join the conversation on the best discussion group on the internet, the Radio Brews News Facebook group. To join our Facebook group, just search for Radio Brews News, obviously in Facebook, and use the password Soapbox. If you like what we do here at Radio Brews News, you can help us out by sponsoring the show. Even a couple of dollars a month can help us do the things that we do and apparently you enjoy. You can review us on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcasting service. And even just taking a little bit of time to do that does help other people find us. And of course, that helps us as well. Otherwise, you can email us your feedback, confidential tips if necessary, and just your thoughts uh, on this conversation or any of the conversations that we do here by emailing us at producer at brewsnews.com.au. Thank you very much. And we'll be back next week with another beer conversation.